Welcome to the Elevate the Vibe podcast, bringing you juicy convos with thought leaders discussing the wild world of parenting. A lot of people look at that whole picture and that overwhelms them too much to even put pen to paper. So let's take all of those steps down to one step, buying a sketchbook, saving you know a napkin clean at your dinner table and just do a doodle or a drawing. Allow yourself, allow your kids to externalize that part of themselves, to see it outside of them, to show it to someone who you might think will receive it. When you feel that you are seen and appreciated, it's amazing. But also to know and appreciate the thing for yourself is the first step. What up, Vibe Hive? It's Wednesday. It's your favorite day of the week. I'm your host, Jason Berlin. With me always is the beautiful co-host, Katie Berlin of the Elevate the Vibe podcast. Welcome. This week, our guest is very near and dear to my heart. It is my sister. She is a self-published author. She goes by the pen name Mary B. Truly. And I really admire her. I am honored that she joined us as a guest this week. I cannot wait to share this episode with the audience. Yes, of course, I'm biased. I love her. (laughs) But she talks about how to harness your own creativity and how to tap into that and how important it is to nurture it for yourself as an adult and also within your children and allowing them and yourself the time, the space, the freedom, the creativity to figure out what drives you and what interests you. It's a fascinating interview as well as, you know, we've watched Mary grow up now for, you know, since she was a little baby. Um, You know, I came into the fold a little bit later in life, marrying into the family. And, uh, you know, Mary used to be very creative, creating videos with her sister that were just completely amazing, you know, mind-blowing videos. And to see her uh, flourish as an author is really amazing. So I'm proud to be a part of her success, a small part. Mary B. Truly is a self-published children's book author and watercolorist. Taking inspiration from Mother Nature with a sprinkle of imagination, Mary's passion for creativity comes to life in her five self-published books. Her books are available on Amazon, or you can check out her new website where both her art and books are available, marybetruly.com. And if you happen to live in Washington State, you can catch her at the Squim Farmer's Market every weekend where not only she has her art, her books, but she also has some other cool items like blankets and tote bags that she makes. So if you're local to Squim, you could always find her there. And Vibe Hive, let's welcome Mary to the show. Elevate the Vibe audience. We have a very special guest with us today. It is not only someone who is near and dear to my heart because I love this person, but she is also my sister. Yeah. So today (laughs) we have Mary Truly on. And Mary, can you please introduce yourself to the Vibe Hive audience? Of course. Um, Hi, Katie and Jason. Um, My name is Mary B. Truly. That is my author name. And I am a author, illustrator, self-published. I like to call myself a triple threat. And uh, I've been really enjoying doing it. I have four books out right now, working on five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And uh, just keep, keep elevating my own vibe. 
Dang. Right <laughs> yes. So I want you, okay, I didn't know about five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So, that's, <laughs> so you're working on six other books at the same time. Well, when you, when you start on one idea, another idea builds on top of that. And so it just keeps rolling and that ball just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I've got a giant 12 foot tall snowman. That's you know? what's up. That yeah. is the creative process in action, yeah. which I do. I want to dive into that too. Oh, please. I, I do too. There's water right here. <laughs> Let's go. There you go. <laughs> We're not only diving into creative process, but we will be one yeah. with nature and be- diving into the <laughs> yes. Pacific. Yes. The beautiful Washington background. So I want you to share a little bit about, I mean, I already know this information, but I want you to share with the audience a little bit about how you grew up and what led you to the decision to be an author and the path that you're on now where you mentioned living in Washington. Of course. So uh, my, my story is that I'm from Maryland. I'm Mary from Maryland. That's what I tell everybody out here that I meet helps them to remember name and everything. And uh, it makes it really cool and mysterious to be from this far off place being out here in Washington now that I'm from Maryland. But at the time, Maryland felt very normal, very uh, just classic out in nature, you know, in the boonies vibe that really helped foster my creativity. There's so much room for imagination to just wander throughout the woods the endless woods and create stories that's just where my heart started with all of this when I was very very little and it continues to do that in Maryland in wherever I've been I've been traveling all over the country lived in Sedona Arizona and I came up here in Washington about a year ago and have just stayed and the creativity in the wilderness here, in the nature, in the people, everything, like everywhere else in the country, anywhere you go, you're going to find this amazing creative spark that just ignites and helps you to continue on with the story ideas that you might currently have or ones that are waiting for you to just sit down and say, I'm ready. I have all of this creativity around me, all of this feeling of adventure, and it will just blossom. That's what I've been doing. But it all started back in Maryland when I was growing up, being homeschooled, very um, sheltered in a lot of ways. But in a lot of ways, I was allowed to be very wild, running just wild in the woods for hours on end uh, into the dark and into the night. It just was a beautiful way to grow up. And uh, I had a lot of learning differences as a child and as an adult. I don't learn things the same as most people. When I do find someone who learns the same as me, I'm like, oh, you know what I'm talking about. You know it. And that connection is even more beautiful. But it took a lot of struggle to work through that, uh, learning differently than other people. I'm very visual. I can write and come up with an entire story faster by drawing it out than I can by writing it or even typing it. It just is how my brain works. So I've used that to my advantage. It was more to my detriment as a child because in in some ways, but in many ways, it was uh, just another outlet for me to express myself 
use my voice maybe when I wasn't so verbal with my emotions, it came through, you know, through the paper, through the drawings. And I also found ways to connect with others through drawing. Um, that was my passion. I loved just to sit down, any family gathering, any get together with other kids, no matter the age of the person uh, to a, a full grown adult, you know, person who's been to in World War II to a little teeny bopper kid, I've been able to sit down, draw and connect with anybody. And not so much in other ways, like board games. I can't stand them. I'm like, it's a nightmare <laughs> board game. You know, you got to read a thing and act it out. If I read it and draw it, I'm good. But you know, this whole like competitive thing is not my jam, but drawing and talking, creating, it doesn't have to be drawing it be painting, sculpting, whatever it is that creative, take it from a nothing space, make it tangible. I love that. So that's where it came from, from my entire childhood. That's how I socialized. That's how I made friends, made connections. And I'm continuing to do it today in a more evolved way and a way that is somewhat financially beneficial for So that's good. I want to talk a little bit about the time when you realized that you really wanted to become an author and when that sure. switch happened and what that was like. Sure. I can't think of a time where it wasn't in my mind. I grew up watching Anne of Green Gables, you know, that classic Canadian broadcast, Anne of Green Gables. I can't remember her name, but she just, whoever that actress was, really hit that role home. And I felt this kindred spirit with her. That's what she always said in the show of be, always wanting to be an author, loving stories falling in love with these other worlds that she learns about through books. I wasn't so much that way through reading books, but through, you know, storybooks, fully illustrated children's books. That's where I would just dive into and fall into the world. Imagine what was around the corners in the drawings. Imagine how the artist, you know, painted these things. What, what made them choose this scene for that part of the story versus what they could have drawn in this part of the story. Like I always wondered what those decision-making processes were, but not in such a cognitive way. It was more of a behind my mind creative process under like a foundation growing that I just let myself go there. I let myself fall into all of the nooks and crannies of you know, Gammer Gorton's Needle, the, the, you remember that one? Of course. Oh, yeah. It was wild. You know how old that story is? It is a really, really old, it was a play. And uh, even that I'm like, I want to do a play. I want to make a storybook like that. So it's, I don't even remember what your question was. I just got so excited from going off on the whole thing, like allowing your mind to just do that, go wherever it wants to go. And that spark happens, you just go with it and keep creating and creating and creating. I think the difference between a lot of creative processes that people develop and what people are taught can come from schooling and their experience like yours, public school versus mine homeschool. I was allowed to just kind of go and and journey through 
the unknown in my imagination where you didn't have that time. So, but then you developed your own creativity in a way that I, I won't ever have. You have this ability to be a businesswoman day in and day out. And it doesn't, it, you're just a champion through it all. I get worn out thinking about business transactions and doing this and having to go and sell my ideas to a you know bookstore to see if they'll want to buy my book. It's like, oh, that's exhausting to me. But it's all, we're, we're learning, we're coming to these things at similar timings in our lives. We just come to it in different processes. Well, give yourself a little more credit because <laughs> you are, you're really killing it. And for the audience, Thank you. We'll, we'll talk about more about that in several, you know, questions. I think something you touched on is so important. So mm-hmm. this part goes out to all of the parents that feel like they need to schedule their kids day and night, top to bottom with activities yeah. and this and that. Yeah. And there's something to children being busy, but there's also something to kids being like, quote unquote, bored. And oh, what yeah. comes from that? What, what is in that time? And as adults, we feel this too. Like, what is it in there when, you know, the emails are answered, so to speak, and the homework is done, so to speak. And there's that tiny bit of time and you sit around and you're like, okay, it's just me and myself right now. Yep. What, what's there? What's in there? Instead of yep. trying to find something to distract yourself. Exactly. It's That's so, exactly it. Yeah. It's, it's just having the opportunity to tap into that. You've been able to create incredible works of art from that, that have manifested into books that can be passed down for generations. And, you know, people think, oh, I need to, you know, get the best grades and I need to go to the best college because then I'll get the best job. And it's like, but what if not any bit of that actually speaks to your soul and who you are? Yes. What if you do all of that? Because I probably feel like everyone listening right now is probably nodding a little bit. Yeah, like, yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. And, And what you touched on, Mary, is that, there were times when you were growing up when that felt difficult. It felt difficult yes. that you're, you weren't relating to someone based on those situations because yes, school is very social and there's so many social situations that come from that. But then you, I mean, I know that you were still in classes with other kids, you oh, yeah. know, just through the homeschooling process, but what allowed, what was able to blossom was something truly deep within yourself that came to light, that came to fruition, that was who you are in your core and in your heart that you could connect with people on. Yes. And imagine the connection that that creates with someone over a lifetime. Uh, the, the realness versus just like, oh yeah, I work at this job and I am uh, you know, in marketing or accounting and then I leave that job and like all those people I met, like they were cool, but we don't really have a connection. Very right. different. Very, very different. Uh, very hard to escape no matter what in a lot of ways. But when you allow yourself to be yourself and act on those things that align with who you are, it doesn't matter if you and another person both are 
art fanatics. But if one of you is an art fanatic and the other one is really into boats. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't matter because you're both into something and you have a spark in you that you have recognized and you allow it to affect you. You allow it to seep into your day to day. You allow it to become part of you in outwardly ways. It doesn't take someone who shares a passion of that same thing to recognize and appreciate that part of you. It takes someone who is doing it for themselves in their own way and they see it within someone else. They see it within you and that creates a connection, a wonderful spark of just people being themselves and connecting one, whatever it is that they all enjoy on a base level of just purely enjoying something and creating something from it. So that's what I've been finding really amazing uh, meeting all of these people at farmers markets. I ask as many people as I can, it's probably not everyone, but as many people that come to my booth as I can, I say, are you an artist? And I ask them. And most of the time they say, no, you know, no, I'm not. And then I look at them and I say, did you do your makeup today? And they're like, well, yeah. So you're an artist. It's flawless. It's amazing. I'm not really into makeup but I can recognize that part in her or him or whoever that took that time and dedicated their creativity to it, whatever their creativity might be. And people will say, no, I'm not an artist, but really they can cook and they're an amazing chef. They don't consider that art. They might have a passion for singing or a musical instrument, or it could be a craft. It could be anything at all. And they most likely will dismiss it and not say it's not call themselves an artist for that being an artist can be more of thinking of something like um uh like you're masterful you're masterful at something what is your mastery at you know where where is it directed so i think that that could be a question that you could maybe ask people ask yourselves ask your kids what do you want to master what do you want to work towards? What is your passion? Where is it directing you? And it might not be in that place that you think it is at first. Like I thought I wanted to be all colored pencil, for example, and then going, oh, wait, I'm really a watercolorist at heart and moving in that direction. But who knows that could lead me to oils or whatever. And those are very specific art centered topics, but that can be across the board, anything at all. You can follow something and it will lead you to another. And it doesn't mean that you aren't following who you are. You're just allowing those sparks to guide you. That's how I feel anyway. When you're faced with a situation where you're coming into understanding that you have an affinity towards something, let's say it is yes. of the arts, and you're faced with this situation where you don't really know if you should pursue it or not, I think it takes a lot of bravery and a lot of guts and I would say balls, but you can I, say balls. but I think like having a, having a vagina is like more tough than having balls, it honestly. Yeah. So. The golden girl said that. What was her name? She, she's just like, vaginas take poundings. Balls, right. You, you hit them once they're done. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So that to have that gusto to go for it, what, how would you inspire other people 
to not be afraid because I mean, it must, it must have, it must be scary still. Oh yeah. It's terrifying. I have a new book that's coming out soon and I had the whole thing spread out in front of me and I was working just like hunched over it, slaving away working. And I had this moment of like, this is, this isn't just for me. This is going to be something that other people are going to see, want, and and they're going to buy it. And not many people have seen it yet, but the ones who have, they receive it well. But when I was making it, I was like, no one's going to like this. This is going to be uh, you know, one of my little dips. I know I'm going to have lots of rises and falls, but I felt this instant, like, oh, it's going to be a dip. So that instantly means it's going to be a failure. So I shouldn't do anything at all. And that right there, I shouldn't do anything at all is where I think a lot of people get caught up that moment of, oh, what if it isn't fantastic? And I don't go like this. I just go like this. This is okay. It's going to go like this again. Whether it's this piece of art turns around or I don't even, I don't even know. It doesn't matter. What does matter is that you keep going. Even if you have to redraw that unicorn again for the 15th time, you just keep going and don't let that voice or other people's voices who you might actually be hearing, or you might be imagining those, you know, critics, whatever it may be to stop you. You're allowing them to stop you before you even start. And that's what happens to most people. And the difference between someone who does and someone who doesn't is simply that you allow it to stop you or you don't. The success part is another thing. You are successful at something because you did it, or you are not successful at something because you did it. You both, you did it. And the success is there because you did it flat out. But a, the success of bringing something to a higher level, that is another step. So a lot of people, I think they look at that whole picture and that overwhelms them too much to even put pen to paper. So let's take all of those steps down to one step, whether it is buying a sketchbook, saving, you know, a napkin clean at your dinner table and just do a doodle or a drawing, whatever that idea is that you're always like, oh, I'm always thinking of this. Just allow yourself, allow your kids to externalize that part of themselves, to see it outside of them, to show it to someone who you might think will receive it. That's another huge step to present this thing that you've made with your heart and soul to someone is a very vulnerable thing. But when you feel that you are seen and appreciated, it's amazing. But also to know and appreciate the thing for yourself is the first step. So that when you do present it to someone and they don't really like it or they don't receive it or they just brush you off, then you're gonna be okay because you already love what you, what you created. Yeah. There's so much wisdom in that little bit. It's like you have to be committed to yourself and you can't yes. let the outside influences distract you right. because every, everyone is a critic. Everyone is a critic. Oh yes. And it's usually just our own fears that get in the way. What, you know, if somebody's like, Oh, I don't know if you should do that. I don't know if you should, you know, write a book. Oh, that's scary. It's just because they have fear about writing a book. You know, if you ask any author, oh, hey, author, 
do you think I should write a book? They're probably gonna be like, hell yeah, you should write a book. Yes, I will tell you that right away. <laughs> Heck yes, you should write a book. Absolutely. Everybody has a story. Go ahead. I want you to talk a little bit about what that publishing process was like, because you shared not only are you an illustrator, but you're also self-published. And now you, you know, are having uh, a few different channels in which you sell and distribute your books. Yes. So talk us through that process. What did that look like for you? Sure. So the world of self-publishing, uh, it has been a mystery for a while, it seems to most people. And then there have been a few people who have figured it out and published, publicized how they did things. So there's no more secrets about self-publishing anymore. You can look, Google, research, you know, find authors on Instagram, find authors on YouTube are the absolute best resources. 1000% just watch, 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 watch people's YouTube channels on how they do it, how they self-publish. It's very, very, very simple. Um, or yeah, I, yeah, it's very simple. It's not easy. It's a learning curve. But once you learn how to do it, you can do it again and again and again and again. When you own your rights to your work, when you own your ISBN number, when you do all that research and check off all those boxes, it is yours. It is your work. The publishing world, the traditional publishing world has fallen a lot, a long way from the grandeur that it used to be of someone read my, my work and they want to make, you know, get me rich and ha let me have millions of dollars through my one book that I wrote and they're going to sell all these copies for me. That happens still, of course, that happens to many, many people every day, but more and more so there are vanity publishers who want you to publish with them, basically to pay them to do all the things that self-published people already know how to do. So that being said, taking it all back and looking, like I said before, that one step that you can take, it's a huge picture, but that one tiny bit, do that one. And then the next one, and the next one. As far as getting from book from A to Z, there are a lot of steps. I don't know how many. One being creating the book, creating your work. Two, if you want to do a, a children's a children's book with full illustrations, everything you want in it, that's another issue. A lot of people are not author illustrators. They are one or the other. And so finding someone who is like-minded in similar uh, vision for what you want for your story. That's, that's a step you can take where you can just do it yourself. Do both. Uh, you can, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not some secret. You don't have to be some great artist to make your own artwork for your children's book. That's something I really want to just, you know, flatten is this huge idea that you have to have some great artistry for your, for your story. It's not true. Yeah. Cause then, I, I can't think of many times uh, my three-year-old has looked at a book and been like, that art sucks. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know what I mean? They don't, they don't think that at all. Right. They just see kitty cat and they love the kitty cat. 
you know, they just see a person and they want to know what the person is doing. They just see the sky and they think I love the sky too. And how, how boring would it be or just banal would it be if all illustration looked exactly the same? I know it would be incredibly dull. It'd be awful. I would love it if more kids illustrated children's books, because then you would get that really, really familiar thing that a lot of kids recognize within each other. And that would be just a beautiful thing. So if you are a parent and you have a children's book and you have a child who loves to draw, hello, you've got your own illustrator right there. How incredible is that? So yeah, don't let any of those things stop you. Just keep going, keep going, keep going. From there, formatting everything yourself is the next step. So formatting all of your illustrations with your text. If you want to have text at all, you can just have a picture book. That comes with its own learning curve. Again, YouTube University is where I go for answering most of my questions. And that would be Adobe InDesign is the next step. So you learn how to format your own book on Adobe InDesign or Affinity Publisher. One or the other, Adobe InDesign, I find works better with the next step, which is Ingram Spark. And Ingram Spark has a template that you will upload your interior file of your book onto, and then you will upload your cover file. All is very, you know, self-explanatory once you learn the basics. And then you learn that, you can do it again and again and again. You'll have to re-upload revisions. You'll find mistakes. You'll have to figure out codes on what code to put in to make it so that it's not going to cost you 50 more bucks to re-upload a, a, for a proof. So they're called proofs. You get a proof back to know if you spelled everything right or if something's crooked. And it all just takes practice, learning, patience, breathing, all of these steps of, you know, keeping your mind calm while you're going through these very different learning curves. I think that this whole process of self-publishing would be amazing thing to teach in, you know, grade schools or teach, you know, teach your kids in homeschool. Now, a lot of people are doing that and it would be an amazing course for even a college course to teach that whole process of self-publishing because I'm doing children's books. There's a whole nother world of other genres that require different techniques than I, than I have. Maybe I'll learn them when I branch out and do different things, but this is where I'm at in the whole self-publishing world. And then from there, you get your copy back of what you, what you created, whether it's going to be the finished product or it's going to be something that you're going to have to fix and then wait for another proofreading copy to come to you. It just takes time. So that's, self-publishing in a really, really like skip the doodah kind of way. Uh, I don't have any of the visuals for you or really much of the details, but that's kind of the gist of how to go about starting your first book. And you now have four books that are published. Yes, I do. I have three of them right here. Talk to us about your very first book. Yes. And then to your, you know, the fourth book that you have now. Of course. And I have, uh, I'm missing one title. That would be my second book, Vortex Magic. But I have the first, third, and fourth here. First being this one here, The Adventures of Captain Bentley. It is a chapter book. 
fully illustrated with 93 illustrations in it. It follows the story of a young boy named Bentley who is an orphan. He and his sister, who is also an orphan, dream of finding the perfect place to live one day where they can be free, have adventures, and feel safe and at home with each other, feel like they have a family. But before that can happen, his sister, Grace, runs away from their, the home that they were living in. He wants to go and find her because she left him a clue to where she might be. But before he goes and finds her, the woman who takes care of them says, I think you should wait and you might be adopted. He does wait and he is adopted. And in that family, he becomes more confident with himself. He is uh, not paying so much attention to the darkness in his life. He's followed by a tall shadow that has scared him for many years. And he ends up going on an adventure to find his sister again and piece together the mysteries of his past and his family that he never understood and now has come together in a beautiful way that was unexpected. So I really enjoy this book still. I really love it when people read it and come back to the booth and tell me how much they enjoyed it. It is very much so a story I want to return to. I have prequel and sequel that are on the shelf of my computer waiting to be turned into reality, but I really enjoy this one. It's more of a late reader style because I was a late reader and uh, I formatted it as such to help facilitate people with dyslexia to be able to read um, and enjoy a story in a more relaxed way with pictures, help your mind kind of go back and forth in that way that dyslexic brains tend to, speaking from my own experience. Um, so that's the story with Captain Bentley. I really enjoyed making this book. Uh, when I made it in 2018, I was living in Sedona, Arizona, and it didn't sell that well. But then when I came up here, it was selling, selling, selling. And I just was like, what is it? What's the difference? Setting. Where is he? He's on the water. Where am I? On the water. People see it. They see something familiar and they gravitate towards it. So that's also playing to your audience, I think, which is another very key, uh, key role that can come into play in a creative process, but it's a hard edge to follow. Sometimes you can veer off of your original creative idea. You start playing towards what you think your audience wants. So that's a hard line. I'm still learning it. I think a lot of people, I think, I think I'll be learning that for my entire life. That oh, yeah. I mean, even with the podcast, mm -hmm. it's like, you know, is it just very indulgent for ourselves or are we speaking to the audience or are we going too far <laughs> yeah. to what the audience wants? You know, it's, it's a line. You're always oh, yeah. kind of tiptoeing. That's right. Totally. Um, so again, I don't have my second book with me. I was completely sold out, but that one's called Vortex Magic. You mean this hey, one right there here? there you go. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's Vortex Magic. And I wrote that one in Sedona, Arizona. Uh, that one's a little bit of a long backstory. So I was hiking out on the trail called in a place called Boynton Canyon, B-O-Y-N-T-O-N, Boynton. Um, and uh, I'm hiking back there. It's so beautiful, like most incredible scenery you can imagine. And one of my friends says, you know, uh, someone lost their kid up here. 
you know, their kid went missing. And I was so like shuddered by that thought of losing your kid back on a trail somewhere. I think anybody would be horrified by that. So I was like, my brain just kept spinning on it. And I was having a hard time thinking about walking this trail, wondering where did this child go? I don't know them. I don't know anything about them, but that's where my brain got fixated on and I had to fix it. So I imagined that he's fine and he disappeared into the vortexes. Can you guys hear me with the wind? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're fine. All right. So uh, I imagine that the boy's fine. He disappeared into the vortex through meditation maybe. And now he travels from vortex to vortex and going back on the word vortex to anyone who may not know it is kind of like when energy, like if someone looks at you and smiles and then you return the smile, that's an energy exchange. The same thing for crying, the same thing for any kind of emotion. You can feel an energy exchange. And when there is a, a, a concentrated form of that, it's called a vortex. So people might feel a well of emotions, you know, come up within them and cry. That's what happened to me when I went to a vortex for the first time. I just cried. I didn't even know what was happening. And so people go there to experience these things to Sedona. And that was another uh, way of me playing to an audience. I think going with a creative story that was really from me trying to heal a, a semi-traumatic event that may or may not have happened. But whether it did or didn't, I created this character called the Vortex Kid. And he's in the story as a statue immortalized that people come from all over the place to visit and touch the hand of the statue to see if they too will be transported into the Vortex magic. So that's kind of the legend of the kid. And in the story and the other child and their family go on the vacation and they go up to touch the hand and what happens, they're transported and they go on that adventure of jumping from vortex to vortex. But while I was there and making the story and I was self-publishing, getting ready to get it out into stores, my mom was reading another Sedona author's book, more of a sci-fi alien spiritual book uh, for adults. And she went, Mary, Mary, you gotta listen to this part. Have you met this guy? And I look, I said, no, I've never met this author before. I can't remember his name or which book it was. I wish I could reference that. But anyway, he spoke about a statue of a young boy in the hills of Boynton Canyon, outstretching his left hand to the sky. And my story has that exact thing. What that means, I have no idea. I must have tapped into some sort of a creative bubble that he also did. So maybe something that is there in Boynton Canyon that no one knows about, but are, is coming through in this creative way through people's art. I don't know, but that itself was like, wow, who, how can I make that up? I can't. A weird little backstory for, for uh, Vortex Magic. You got to um, find that guy and meet him. And I, be know. Like, <laughs> I know. I got to tell him. Maybe he's watching. I don't know. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> Reference him. <laughs> But uh, yes, that was my second book. Third book right here, Alien on the Stoop. Also a Sedona, Arizona created story about a kitty cat who disappears into the woods once a year. Where he goes, no one knows. But when he does, there are green and blue flashes of lights in the sky and there's a storm and then that disappears and the kitty cat comes back the next morning 
No one knows where he goes, but the grandpa who owns the kitty cat named him Alien because he just appeared one day in a flash of blue-green light. And so that story is uh, pretty self-explanatory. The little boy follows the kitty cat, sees that he turns into an alien. That one has become quite popular, even out here. But all of the books have become popular, but uh, that one in particular, because it has a cat on the front, little kids come up to it all day long saying, kitty cat, kitty cat, and I love that. But I also really like that it's a fun story. It can be something entertaining for and I'm not meaning this in a derogatory way, but I think most of my audience is grandparents, aunts and uncles, and parents themselves who would like to enjoy the story as they read it to their kid for the 15th time. You know, maybe they enjoy it a little less by then, but hopefully they still enjoy it somewhat. That's kind of the goal. I'm writing, of course, for the young reader who will be, that's who they're, intended for but I want it to be something that everyone can enjoy at the same time whole family anybody so that is alien on the stoop right here it's amazing that is book number three book number four is the one that I created here in the pacific northwest the first of a bit of a series not so much and this is very much not story oriented at all it is inspiration based from just being up here in the Pacific Northwest for the first time, really exploring. And I did a painting and then a poem to match or to go with each painting. And I can read you my favorite one, if you like, called Shiver at the River. And it is a painting of a place called the Soul Duck River. It is a beautiful, freezing, freezing cold. I actually jumped in it in December. Uh, it's a glacial river. It was not a fun, you know, it was, it was really fun at the time, but uh, maybe I, won't, I don't think I'm going to do that again in December anyway. But uh, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was fun. Um, so I created this one. Uh, and while I was there, I didn't think about doing a book at the time. I just was enchanted by the beauty around me is very mysterious but this feeling came over me of being watched not so much by a bear or mountain lion but something else that feeling you know when you're in the woods and it's like what is watching me right now and so I wrote down by the soul duck river a feeling gave me a shiver skipping rocks in the glacial melt when down my back a tingle I felt one blink and its existence ceased forever in my mind will live the mysterious beast and that leaves you with a little bit of a hint to a piece in, this, in the picture where you can see a creature kind of moving through the shadows. So this one is just that. It is a pic painting and a poem just to get your kind of creativity going. I can see a story with every single painting that I've made in this book. And I can always return to it. I can always say, oh, that, I created it, I externalized it. I can go back to it and launch off of this to do many other stories. And so that's what I've done, but with another book that I'm working on that is all Northwest style, the same kind of sing-songy poetry that will work for a children's bedtime story, very young child's bedtime story. They just like to hear poetic words, a sing-songy kind of tone to someone while they're talking putting them to sleep 
I remember that as a child uh, being really soothing. And so I wanted to recreate that a little bit. And I'm doing that again with magical creatures. I don't have a copy that of that ready, but uh, it's very, very exciting. People who come to meet me at the market, I have a little preview for them to look at and it's been received well. So I'm, I'm excited about that one. That'll be book number four. And there are many, many more to talk about that are coming out, but go ahead. You mentioned something that I think is important to, to touch on. I would love to say that this is my phrase that I coined, but I actually heard it from one of my favorite authors and speakers. Her name is Louise Hay. And oh, yes. she talks about the inner ding. When you have the inner ding, you need mm-hmm. to follow it and run with it. Now for you, yes, yes. you were talking about your moment at the river yes. and your inner ding was this feeling like there's a creative spark right here. I need to run with this. How do you put that into practice? Doing it. It's there. But do you like take notes like on your phone? You're yes. like, oh. Any, yeah. any way I can. Uh, I've even recorded myself talking on my phone in the setting that I'm in. So if it's a really beautiful place, I'll take a picture and maybe just jot down a note in notes on my phone. But that can be really, really messy because your camera roll goes on forever and your notes become, wait, when did I write this? So I find that recording myself sometimes can be really, really helpful in the setting that I'm in. So that whole moment is captured. So it was that tree that made me think of this story. I go to that tree, sit down, record myself in front of it and talk about the part of the story with the tree. So I have that very specific memory. And again, it will get lost maybe in my camera roll unless I favorite it or whatever that process is for you. But just doing it, however it is that you will remember. I really, really like notebook journaling still. The act of physically writing an idea down I do think there is a different connection in my brain when I physically write something. And yes, texting out in notes is physically writing out. I'm not, I'm not, uh, not poo-pooing that. I do that all day long, but physically handwriting something. It is, I think for young kids, it's very, very, very important to like write down an idea, but still as an adult, I feel it just as important to continue to do that. Um, And I always will draw a picture with it, a little tiny doodle to help me remember the visual that I connect to that inspiration, whatever it is that I'm writing down. And for myself, I find that drawing out ideas can go much, much, much faster than writing out ideas. So if you're like me, there's nothing wrong with that. I've drawn out entire stories from start to finish with no words. And I have the entire story and I can retell it again and again and again, word for word at times, the exact same story, but there's only pictures to show for it. This is because that's how my brain works. It might be that yours is singing. A lot of the times I will come up with like more poems to go in stories, whether it's part of a mystery there's a poem that leads you to another clue or something like that or if it's just like daydreams and paintings of the pacific northwest a silly poem i will speak it into my phone but the cadence that i speak and the way the rhythm that i do 
I will lose that part. I won't remember it unless I actually say it in, in a recording and hear it back and say, okay, that was the feeling of this part in the story or this poem. It was more sad than I remember, or I was feeling this way when I came up with it and that affected the tone. And that's what I want to keep. That's the most important thing, or maybe it isn't it, whatever that creative process is, the ding happens and it takes action to bring it into, you know, the next step, whatever that action may be. If you have a piece of, if you have sand in front of you and that's the only thing you have to draw on is sand, draw on it and take a picture or even just draw it. And then your brain will somehow retain a little more of the idea and you'll hold on to it for longer then you will, if you just say, oh, I've got an idea, I'll remember it later. I do that all the time. Everybody does that. And then when do you forget it? When you have time and you're sitting down to write that idea down, it's gone. So the action of getting it out is what matters. It's that second step that you can take. The ding, first step. It's like a divine gift, the ding. And a divine gift left on the ground is nothing it's just a gift on the ground you got to pick it up absolutely yeah yeah beautifully said <laughs> can you leave our audience with a key takeaway oh uh, sure a key takeaway from me and my experience what I'm doing right now with being out at the farmer's market being very vulnerable every week presenting my art that I have created from within me and now subjecting myself to potential criticism from people who might be very, very, very talented, much more than me and be able to just cut me where I stand as an artist technique wise. I don't let it stop me and I don't want it or any version of that to stop anyone else ever. So that is my takeaway that I take away every week, every day, is to not let that voice of someone who might be disgruntled affect me. And don't let the voice of the inner you that is disgruntled affect you, because that might not be you tomorrow. You might be feeling much better and so much more happy with yourself that you did take that action today. That, you, that sounds like a commercial. You did take that action today, but it's true. You know, the actions that you take now with your creativity are that amazing gift for you tomorrow because it elevates you a little bit. It, I just, I'm going to use the title. It elevates your vibe. That little yes. bit. That little bit yeah. Each little bit is what matters. Everything else doesn't in the end. Any resources that you would want to leave our audience with that have helped you? I mean, you mentioned step-by-step with the book and there was one, you said one program, Ingrid or Ingram? Yes, Ingram Spark. Ingram Spark is where books are made. There are many, many different ways to like different um, resources that you can go to, to make your book. You have to buy it all. You have to make your, put that, put that money down, put that you know, five, six dollars it takes to print this color book, but you get a really, really good product. I find with Ingram Spark. Um, I say to anyone who is curious about this, 
uh, they can email me. They can message me on Instagram and I'm happy to answer anybody's questions all the time. There's also a really, really great resource on Facebook called uh, uh, 20 Books to 50,000, 20 Books to 50K. And that's run by Craig Martell, I believe is his name. Um, I'm really hoping I'm not botching that up too badly, but uh, he's a amazing resource for self-publishing. It is all about helping one another, not about promoting yourself on that page, which I think is really uh, a really great way to share information and not just try to puff your chest, you know. And where can everyone find you? Give yourself a shout out. Oh, okay. <laughs> Everybody can find me on Instagram at Mary B. Truly. And I'm also on Facebook. I have a website at marybtruly.com. And uh, I'm also on Amazon. You can find me, Mary B. Truly. And my book titles are Captain, The Adventures of Captain Bentley, Alien on the Stoop, Vortex Magic, and Magical Daydreams, or Daydreams and Painting of the Pacific Northwest. I almost said the book that is to be out wow. soon, which is Magical Daydreams in the Pacific Northwest. Keep your eye on the horizon for that one. But uh, other than that, if you're in Washington, come out to the Squim Farmer's Market on uh, every weekend on Saturdays. I'm out there bright and early at 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. And then again, I'm at Kingston Farmer's Market out in Kingston, Washington from 10 to 3, I believe, out at the ferry terminal. So it would be amazing to meet some more folks that come out there if anybody's listening up here in Washington. Well, awesome, Mary. Thank you. I love yes. that you shared this process. I loved how detailed you were and it's amazing to see your creativity shine and see what you have created and what you share with the world. We are all elevated because of it. So thank you for well, helping us. Thank you both. I feel so honored to be on elevate the vibe with you guys. This is amazing. Like, I feel like I'm your fan <laughs> just in general. And then we have one fan. Sister, we fan. Like, I'm also your sister too, which is like, whoa, I know these guys. This is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. So oh. I want to give high fives and props to both of you because I know what it takes to like put your face and your heart and your soul out there and talk to people, let alone you guys are doing it to a screen and, and wishing for all the best to reach others. I wish it too. It, you guys are doing an amazing thing. Oh, well, thank Thanks, you, Mary. sister. Thank you. And audience, definitely check out her books. They're not just for children, as she mentioned. They're also for adults. And yes. thank you for helping us to elevate the vibe. Oh, thank you. Hey there, Vibe Hive babes. If this podcast has brought you any value, please rate and review on your favorite listening platform. And if you're feeling really generous, share with a friend. Visit us at elevatethevibe.co for show notes on this episode and previous episodes. This podcast is intended to educate, entertain, and inspire. It is not intended to diagnose, treat, or substitute for professional medical advice. Please consult your healthcare provider with any questions you may have. And as always, thank you for joining us to Elevate the Vibe. <laughs>